Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Howdy, all you geoholics. This is Nick Smolowski with another Bad Elf Tech Minute. Today we're going to actually be talking about, it's not technologically advanced, well, maybe it is if it was placed here by space aliens, but perhaps you've seen around the world these uh, occurrences of monoliths popping up. If it reminds you of Space Odyssey 2001, you're probably right. Uh, the most recent one just pos- popped up here in the United States, actually in Joshua Tree National Park in California. Uh, I heard um, that people are now claiming, uh, making these things, and you can buy a uh, monolith for a cheap 40K. And so uh, if you'd like a monolith for your backyard and, and be a creeper in your neighborhood, you can absolutely do that. Check it out. They are pretty cool. They are supposed to be from a group of artists, so... Um, That is the Geoholic Tech Minute for this evening. All right. Thanks, everybody. This is Nick with bad-elf.com. Nick at bad-elf.com. We'll talk to you again soon. Just a quick note to express our appreciation for the 2021 Friends of the Program for their continued support. Please consider their products and services as they have special promos for Geoholics listeners. Aerotech Mapping, Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, CyanicAutomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, Get Kids Into Survey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com, Mentoring Mondays, MentoringMondays.com, dot x y z monson engineering monsonengineering.com parkland community college parkland.edu forward slash land dash surveying safety apparel safetyapparel.us and last but not least tiger supplies tigersupplies.com O-M-F-G. If that doesn't make you want to run through the wall that was 2020 to get to 2021, nothing will. Happy New Year, everybody, and thanks for being here. This is episode 64, also known as the... George Blanda. Oh, good one. Yeah, good one. he was uh, 1949, 12th round pick, 119 overall, just before our guest this evening. Uh, <laughs> he was a quarterback and place kicker. He played 26 seasons oh in my the God. NFL, or Crazy. AFL and NFL. Uh, from 1949 to 1975, he's one of like two players to play in four different decades. Wow. All these random things. He played for the Bears, Colts, went back to the Bears, Oilers, Raiders, Raiders. NFL Man of the Year in 74, 81, Hall of Fame, hmm. and he passed away in 2010 at the age of 83. Hey, good for him. Yeah. Talk about living a good life right oh my there. Oh, goodness. He t- 83 years, 26 of them in the NFL. That's not bad. Not so bad. Right, that's a good run. All right. Well, thanks for that, Shoots. Curious if you guys have any uh, New Year's resolutions. What do you got there, Jake? Oh, man. I didn't know I was going to be put Putting on the you spot, on the spot for that. Yeah, what do you got? Um, <laughs> Think of something. Probably being less attached. Just off the first thing I thought of, being less attached to, like, my phone and, like, other electronics. Being able to, like... That's actually one thing that really makes me upset is when I can't sit down and watch, like, a movie at length yep. without touching anything or, yep. like, being distracted. So... Working on that. There's medication for that, you know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I'm on all of them. Don't worry. <laughs> Maybe well, you can have a little bit. <laughs> what do you got, Shoots? Uh, I get to lose this COVID-19 I've gained. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you tested positive? No, 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 no. I just, uh, in the in the holiday season, I, I've gone up a few again. So I, I get gotta, it. I got to get back down to Delphi Delph weight. You'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> someday. How about you, Mr. Gus? You have a uh, New Year's resolution? I do. I want to get more involved in meditation early morning and then a little more journaling so I can kind of clear my mind before I start the day. I hear good things about both those things. A little Calm app. I need Calm. Oh, man. Yep. Yep. What's her name? Tamara Levitt. I'll give her a shout out. Oh, man. She is fantastic. Yeah. Her voice is very calming. and Interesting. I, 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 I work. I dabble a little bit. All right. Right on. <laughs> Mine's pretty simple. It's just don't do dumb things. So <laughs> It's harder than it sounds. <laughs> I know. All right, so I'm so excited about what we have in store for 2021. We've got some uh, new friends of the program, as you just heard. Um, amazing value-adding guests, as you'll see here in just a bit. Let's see, we've got some new contests for our listeners, new gear to make the quality even better, new ways to support the show, and hopefully even some remote podcasts. Um, kind of like a geoholics for hire. So if you're looking for a fun way to spice up your Zoom meetings or an upcoming event, you know how to reach us. We're on the road. We could be. We're available. <laughs> Always available. <laughs> All right, PJ, tell us about that opening number. All right, guys. So that, of course, is going to be Metallica, um, American heavy metal band, band formed in 1981 in L.A. Um, by vocalist and guitarist James Hetfield and drummer Lars Ulrich. 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 Uh, Metallica has released 10 studio albums, 4 live albums, a cover album, 37 singles, 39 music videos, and the band has won 9 Grammy Awards from 23 nominations and ranks as one of the most com commercially successful bands of all time, having sold over 130 million albums worldwide. So Great. was that cover album the Garage one? Am I crazy? What was I just remember I think it was. I just remember yeah. Whiskey in the Jar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great, other than great that, version. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. I'd, all right. Thanks, PJ. Good job. Uh, so guess what? You as a listener are going to have another opportunity to connect with us this year. So get this. On the second Thursday of every month, one of our friends of the program will be hosting what we are going to call the Geoholics Hospitality Suite. Thanks to uh, Michael Thompson for the name. Um, so being, of course, a virtual happy hour, this is going to be awesome. So stay tuned for additional details on that. In addition, another change to what I just mentioned, uh, another upgrade to the show. Every week, we will be highlighting one of our friends of the program with this week being Aerotech Mapping, uh, of course. So fittingly, Big Shoots is going to tell us everything we need to know about this awesome company. Aerotech Mapping is the most amazing company in the world. They, ins they employ one of the greatest people in the world myself uh they're a nationally recognized aerial mapping provider based in the southwest they're staffed by a highly experienced group of photogrammetric professionals uh we serve as both the private sector and public agencies entrusting us with the their critical mapping needs uh we've recently added a teledyne galaxy cm 200 which delivers precise digital uh, fine corridor elements such as electric wires and conductors, distribution, power poles, railway signs, cellular tower antennas, as well as the ability to, to, duh, to detect fine changes in the ground over time for pipeline monitoring. Man, oh man, I just stumbled through that one. It was a read. Yep. I just got to tell you, Aerotech is a fantastic company. We deliver great photogrammetric products uh anything you need we own and operate our own plane i say we because i'm a part of the team and just anything you need reach out to big shoots 
I like it. That was my next question. So the people that are lining up right now to have all their photogrammetry <laughs> after, done after that fantastic by, read, uh, Aerotech, <laughs> how do they how do they get a hold of you? Uh, well, you go to the website atmlv.com because we're based out of Las Vegas, so it's Aerotech Mapping Las Vegas. So atmlv.com. Um, the general is just like the geoholics info at atmlv.com, or you can look me up at Ryan Kelly at atmlv.com. Fantastic. There you go. There we go. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Finally, one last change. I promise this is going to be awesome. There is going to be a, uh, this is totally new. Hopefully this <laughs> goes as planned. We're going to have a weekly, let's call it a pod word. So if you email us all the pod words from all the episodes we release each month, you are going to be eligible to win that month's listener prize, which this month is a $100 Amazon gift card. <laughs> so listen closely. This week's pod word is are you ready photogrammetry Ooh, i like it photogrammetry how do you spell that t-o-g-r-a-m-m-e-t-r-y if they spell it incorrectly what happens it doesn't matter if they're close it's good i had to look it up so (laughs) i think uh if you like type it into word it tells you it's incorrect does it no (laughs) all right so anyways if you're when you're if you're listening and you want to be eligible for the prize make sure at the end of the month you email us all of the pod words for the month all right cool here we are at the cobb fenley studio this is pretty much home for us at least for the time being uh, but that's okay because it works perfect and we really do appreciate the cop Fenley folks for allowing us to record here and uh, shameless plug I guess by the way if you apply for a position with cop Fenley be sure to put Kent grow in the referral box good things will happen if you get the job does that go for aerotech as well I does it I don't know I'm sure, why not all right if you apply just mention big shoots there you go and Leo will say who the hell's that <laughs> he's a legend there. <laughs> all right next up we have the safety apparel safety share big shoots what do you got this week uh, we're gonna keep it short and simple uh hearing loss and hearing aids of don't skip them uh we wear headphones somebody has to wear them really loud uh, pointing in this direction meaning Delphi Delph uh, there's no fix for permanent hearing loss caused by loud noises. Neither surgery nor a hearing aid can restore proper ear function, which is why hearing protection when exposed to loud noise is so important. That simple. I like it. I like it. Way too and, many uh, concerts for this I was going to say, and with Metallica as the opening song, it, yeah. just, it just felt fitting. Yeah. yeah. No, good one. Good choice there, Shoots. Appreciate it. Let's get on with our guest this evening. Our guest is Thomas Olmsted. Here's some bio information about him. Thomas grew up in Lake City, Florida, and attended Troy University, Go Trojans, where he played football and baseball. Get this, he played in the 2006 Senior Bowl and also attended the Harvard Business School as well. He's got two little boys with the coolest names ever, Cannon and Porter. Besides Ryan, little Ryan's little guy, our, uh, our OG, Hudson, of course. <laughs> he is currently the VP of National Accounts for PaveCon, a local paving company. A few of his career highlights include being an undrafted free agent with the Miami Dolphins, becoming a Navy, Navy SEAL, and using those experiences to successfully transition to the civilian sector where he's excelled working in private equity and business development. Wow, this could be the start of a new man crush. Let's see here. <laughs> Thomas, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your service, most importantly, and of course for taking the time to join us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm, I'm really excited. This is actually my first podcast, so cool. uh, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have a blast, no doubt. So let's just circle back on a couple bio things that we have some, uh, we're curious about. So beho- you're going to laugh at this. Besides this highly sought after <laughs> Thomas 
I hopefully didn't see that. Thomas Olmstead football card, which, by the way, the shipping costs more than the cost of the card. <laughs> That's about right. That's my net worth right there. So besides the highly sought-after card, what what is the highlight of your athletic career? I think the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl. Uh, yeah, that was pretty special to be a part of that and, and to be around so many great athletes. And also, I went to the NFL Combine. Cool. Uh, and that was really, really cool to be around, you know, Reggie Bush and, and wow. Matt Leinard and, and oh guys like that. So I'm walking the streets of these legends and I'm, I'm a nobody. Uh, and it, it was pretty, pretty special to be a part of that. So basically you and Matt Leinart are basically at the same level these days. <laughs> well, he's, on, he's on Fox uh, Sports, so he's probably a little bit better than me, but yeah. He's on Fox Sports, and this guy's stuck with us. Dude, when, he, when Matt Liner came to the Valley, I was like, he was supposed to be the savior. You know, I was like, this guy is going to take us to the promised land, and oh, oh. How'd that go? What an awful failure. Um, okay, so I, I did a little bit of research about Troy, and it looked like there's a ton of like astronauts and military brass that graduated from there. Is it, what's what's the connection there? I'm just curious. Absolutely. So so I've actually wondered this as well. And when I joined the military, I actually realized okay, Troy has a, a very very good online military program that uh, a lot of people from the the hmm. leadership attend that program. And while I was actually deployed on my first deployment. Uh, one of the guys who was in charge of uh, SOCOM, which is Special Operations Command, he pulls up in our outstation where I was located, and he actually had graduated from Troy's master's program through the online military uh, kind of academy, yeah, if you will. Gotcha. So it, it was that's the relationship there. I have nothing to do that Troy didn't gear me for the military, but it, it definitely has a very big presence. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned the military and, uh, you know, besides becoming a Navy SEAL, which don't get me wrong, is impressive enough. What would, what would you say is the highlight of your military career? The people I was with, you know, those guys are my best friends on the planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of guys that I'm still really, really good friends with. I got people that come out to Phoenix all the time and and Phoenix, uh, actually looks a little bit like Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of training that goes on around here. Uh, but but the people, like the, the Navy SEALs that I worked with and was fortunate enough to be around, you know, they inspired me to be better than what I was, and, and that's what I take away every day. Yep, yep, great, good answer man, there. Man, that, I just feel inferior right now. That's I'm right. sorry we're, to say. We're on a roll here. Let's keep this going. Just with the with the people that you met and you dealt with there, is there anybody that you would not have their back until the end of the day? No. Okay. That's, but that goes as a military as a whole. Yeah. You don't have to just be a Navy SEAL for me no, to have just your back. in general. Right? You know, there, there's a brotherhood and a bond and, and sisterhood, however you want to say it, uh, from anybody who served. And, you know, everybody you know, may say, oh, well, the Marines, the Navy, that's all good and well. But the reality is, is that we're all joined. And especially if you joined since 2011 or 2001 after 9-11, mm. you, know, you joined with the, the mindset that you were going to war. And, and that holds a very special place to me because you were willing to put it on the line. Uh, you know, and, and I don't think a lot of people really understand that as only about one to two percent of the, the population in the United States is actually impacted by mm -hmm. war since 9-11. It's been 18, 19 years. Yep. Uh, so the entire service. But the SEALs, obviously, yeah, I'm not going to say we're the tip of the spear, but <laughs> uh, those guys are absolutely, you know, my best friends. Machines, and, no yeah, doubt about that it. That is amazing. Yeah. Yep. So how you, you've got like a pretty unique background, you know, having the, uh, the athletic high level athletic, you know, side of things, plus the, uh, the Navy SEAL experience. How, I guess in general, how have those life experiences like formed you as a person? And I guess as a leader for that matter. Yeah. So I think football sports, you know, I was an undrafted free agent with the Dolphins and 
uh, NFL stands for not for long, and that was my career uh, as, as uh, you know, I didn't make it very, very long. But what it allowed me to, to understand is adversity. It allowed me to understand that I, I wasn't going to make it, but I'm still going to give everything I have uh, till the last day whenever I got uh, fired essentially by Nick Saban, which was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I left and I said, you know, what's my next option? You know, I got to adapt and overcome to the situation. As a leader, that that's like one of the most important things you can really learn and understand truly is, is that you're not always going to win, but you always got to put yourself in a position mm. to make changes, to be adaptable, to, to be a chameleon in the space. Uh, and in the military, leadership is taken very, very seriously. Uh, and every day is, is professional development, if you will. And so whenever you're, you're in those environments of making real life and death decisions, you, you understand the consequences of and, and accountability, uh, you know, and, and trust is the foundation of all relationships and all business relationships or personal, whichever you want to look at. And, and so from a leader, those things allowed me to, to understand adversity, to understand how to fail, to understand that that's okay, but you got to get your ass up and keep moving. Right. And, and, and if you're willing to do that, uh, then you're willing to put yourself in position to take accountability for your actions, which allows you to then therefore be the leader of, of you yourself first team second. Yeah. So I think it's safe to say that, you know, team sports and in the military, especially, I mean, are just amazing foundation creates an amazing foundation for, for leaders moving forward. Um, and I want to dig into that a little bit more. So in, in your opinion, um, and I'm always I'm always curious about what, how people think about this. Are leaders born being wired differently than others genetically, or are they created by life experiences? You know, I, I think that certain people have certain personality traits or behavioral traits that that allow them to be leaders, maybe a little easier. Uh, but just because you have those traits doesn't mean you're a good leader. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a difference between being a, a leader and being a, a positive influence. And, and leadership to me is really about influencing. And you learn how to influence over experiences. Uh, you know, you, you gain the respect of the individuals around you by have been there, done that, been there before, truly wearing wearing multiple hats and, and getting dirty, getting your hands dirty, if you will. So uh, the question to answer, I, I think you are, I think leadership is developed over time. Um, and, and you couldn't tell somebody who's born with the traits at 10 years old to lead me right now. I don't care what your behavioral traits are, mm -hmm. you're just not going to do it. Sure. Um, but, but somebody with the right traits and the right experiences and the right lessons and the willing to learn, you know, those are the people who are going to really step into a phenomenal big time leadership roles. So yep. at the end of the day, it's a combination of both. Sure. You, you got to have, you got to mm -hmm. be born with it to a point, but you got to live it. You do. But I think that people that aren't born with it can learn how to be great leaders. I think there's a lot of people in industry right now, you know, tycoon or, you know, the, the big, big leaders of industry um, that don't have the traits, but they have either the functional ability or they have the, the learned ability to lead and, and make an impact. And, and I think that, so I do think it's really learned. I think there are people that absorb and naturally do it mm -hmm. maybe a little better, but I truly believe, and I learned this at Harvard Business, that you are taught a set of skills. And if you can apply those skills and truly inf influence people to get the right outcomes, then you can, you can lead anything industry agnostic. Um, do you think that, you know, a child born into say, you know, the, one of the poorest families on the West side of Phoenix has the same ability and I guess, opportunity to be a leader as somebody who's born to the richest family in North Scottsdale. Absolutely. So in the military and SEAL teams, we always say, be a leader of self. 
right? You got to be able to, you got to lead yourself before you can lead others. If you can't lead yourself, then what what good are you essentially? Uh, but it, just because you're born in a, in a rich environment, it doesn't give you the the tools. It doesn't give you the ability uh, to to lead yourself positively, and then therefore lead others. Now, are you are you given afforded opportunities to go to better school systems? Absolutely, you know, and 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 that's some of the systemic stuff we have going on now that everybody talks about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know people that grew up with nothing, absolutely nothing, yep. and became probably the best leaders I've ever been around. And I have a master chief that comes to mind. Mm. Um, has 10 bronze stars with valor. Wow. Two purple hearts. He was my last master chief. He knows what I'm talking about if he's listening. Uh, and he didn't grow up with anything. Yeah. Grew up in a small, poor town in Florida and became a 32 year Navy SEAL. Wow. wow. That's amazing. Be a leader of self. I think we got, I love a, it. we got a new one here, boys. 2021. Yeah. Kicking one, it off right. Oh, I like man. It. That one's solid. For sure. So um, I'm sure you're aware of this guy, Jocko Willink. I do. I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty fond of the guy. And uh, he had, he said something that I wanted to run by you. And I mean, I, I believe the statement is true. True leaders aren't in charge of everything. In fact, true leaders aren't in charge of anything. You agree with that? So Jocko put me through my first platoon training. Is that uh, right? I don't know him personally. Um, he's, he has a lot of profound statements, and he makes a lot of really good points, and, and I definitely agree with, with what you're saying. Um, you know, It's hard for me to kind of wrap my head around all of that. Mm-hmm. The principles that he lives by, and, and so does Echelon Front, th- those guys are phenomenal. I worked with a couple of those guys, and yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, the principles that they teach, don't just it's not just the SEAL teams. That can be applied anywhere. But a lot of those foundations are what I live by. You know, great leaders, what I saw in the military, just with Jocko, great example, is he may not have been like directly in charge of one thing. And, and, and that's what most people look at as leadership. He, but he influences what I always talk about with leadership. He was able to influence the battle space in a way by not pulling the trigger, right? Or not maybe dropping the bomb or setting the explosive, but by manipulating and influencing, guiding and, and almost being a puppet master, if you will, of excellence. Yep. Right. And he and he demanded that, which I think is great. And I'm getting chills talking about it, but it allowed him to not be solely responsible for one thing, but to be overall responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. And it gave him the freedom that that structure and rigidity to know that he can he could empower someone to go do something. It gave him the freedom to take a step back and be a visionary. You know, and that's real leadership. Once you can realize I got to take a step back and I got to look five steps ahead of everybody else because yep. the smoke is dark and the explosions are loud and, the, and, and people are here and people are there, he could step back and truly visualize the battlefield from a very high level and make incredible decisions as that's probably the most um, prolific platoon or troop in the history of the SEAL teams. Wow. Uh, and the Vietnam guys, I, I don't know enough about that, yeah. but modern warfare, yeah. he led some of the greatest warriors of our time. That's awesome. The uh, the comment you just made, puppet master of excellence, that just gave me the chills. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, and I think like, you know, you mentioned him being like a visionary and I think the only way he can have success, you know, being that role is to have leaders, you know, over these other sectors or whatever that he trusts and he counts on. Delegation. No. Yeah, no doubt. And, and yeah. so trust is the key word, in my opinion. Uh, so so his his um, um, LT, so lieutenants, the guys who are in charge of the platoon. So the officers in charge of the platoons and his chiefs and LPOs or lead petty officers. I, I worked with a couple of those guys and they were just incredible. 
Now, he pushed them to be that, right? Mm. He pushed them to be great. And that's something a leader does inherently. They, they, they continuously push people around them to be better than what they are today. Yep. And he, he was able to do that. And through our training pipelines, which our training is incredible, and he was actually one of the developers of our new training philosophies, hmm. Train for the Unknown. That's what he, that's, mm-hmm. That was one of his deals. Yeah, right. uh, and, and so we live, we live that, unfortunately, a lot of 27-million-mile hikes. But uh, yeah. it, it was for a good point. But he, he pushed those guys in the right positions in the right ways so that they were willing to make decisions. And he would trust that those decisions were right uh, to give him the authority and ability to step back, right? And mm-hmm. so he empowered, uh, but he also followed up. So empowerment is one thing, you know, but empowerment with follow-up and follow-through yep. allows your people around you to become better. And he constantly did that. So whenever he got into Iraq and Ramadi and Fallujah, he was able to to allow them to go execute, right? At that point, it's just, we've been there, we've done that, let's execute. And mm-hmm. I wasn't a part of that, so I'm not going to speak like I was, sure. but but he allowed, you could see how he trained and how he worked that out. And, it, you know, honestly, the military from 2009 to now, yeah. and especially in Naval Special Warfare, is better for him. Well, that's <laughs> high praise, no doubt. Pretty amazing. Wow. Um so I always say, and I, you touched on it a little bit, you know, ever since I've been in a position to hire people, I always try to hire people that are better than me at something because ultimately they're going to make me look good, right? You put them in, you know, set them on their path and let them do their job basically. And the one thing also is accountability. And, you know, that definitely has to be constantly enforced. I mean, you have to be the most accountable, I guess, as a leader, you're accountable for everything, but you know, it's uber important to, you know, also pass that accountability along to the folks that you're, that you're leading. Um, let's tie this into business here just a little bit. Talk about the importance of, you know, integrity as far as leadership goes. There's, there's nothing more important. I mean, I mean, trust is obviously, and trust and integrity, it, it kind of go hand in hand in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, but if I can't task you to go do something and be comfortable that you're going to give me honest, real-time, actual this is how it's going to look. This is how it's going to go and go execute it. You know, then you don't have a place in my table. Uh, and, and if you don't, if, if I can't trust the fact that you're going to tell me the truth, um, if you're selling, if you're operational, if you're in a leadership role, if I can't trust that what you're saying is real, then stay away. I don't, I don't have time for in a business position. I don't have time as a leader to deal with chasing down truths. I should be able to ask one question and you tell me, yep. and if it's right, then, or if it's truth, then that's right. Even if it's not what I want to hear. I was just going to say, even if it's not what you even want to hear. Even if it sucks, yep. even if I'm like, dang yep. it, I'm in the asphalt business with PaveCon. Yep. Even if it's raining outside and we can't go work and revenue is, is zero for that day. You know what? Don't tell me it's sunny outside. Yep. I need you to be forthcoming and honest to the situation uh, because if not, then I can't do the things as a leader mm. to go execute. And honestly, lack of integrity is a fireball offense on first time go. I don't, Absolutely, I don't play that game. That is respectable. My I like uh, that. my uh, my wife always says, just rip the bandaid off. When it comes <laughs> to like you know, if you don't, even if you don't want to hear it, right? It's better to just get it out there. <laughs> that's that's hard though with uh, when you're dealing with wives. And yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's way harder than business. Yeah, right. Uh, no, I, I failed way too many times. I just get it done. Let's just, yep, it's happening again. Let's move forward. Exactly. All right. Um, 
So also on the leadership front, um, some of this is pretty obvious, but I want to hear what you guys say as far as, uh, you know, having a, a, an ethical and moral character. Mm-hmm. I think it goes along with what you just said, but feel free to take it one step further. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so one thing I will say is, is values. I'll talk about values here and, and, and understanding and defining your values because ethics and moral decision-making, you know, once you break the lines a few times now, combat and war, those lines are a little blurry sometimes because you got to live. Right. But business, it's very straightforward. And this is something I take from the military is that there's, there's nothing in business that's going to kill me right this second. Nothing. So if I'm going to lie and I'm going to cheat and I'm going to steal, reality is I'm not very good at my job. Yep. Right. I, I actually, I suck. Like I should be better at what I do and, and, and perfect my craft. So I don't have to cheat, steal, lie, you know, whatever. Uh, I actually read a book um, by a guy who started the the company Black uh, BlackRock, mm. a private equity company. Uh, Schwartzman, I believe, is his last name, and he believed in fair and equitable, fair and equitable. Everything you do should be fair and equitable. Both sides should win in a, in a negotiation. Mm. And this guy has the largest private equity company in the world. If he can do it, then I can do it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so when it comes down to moral uh, character, if you will, you got to define your value system. Right. As a leader, so I talked about journaling and all that earlier, you know, I sit down and I say, who am I as a person, as a leader, as a, as a, as a role model, as a father, as a, as a you know, husband, fiance, whatever it is. And I say, who am I? What is my value system? If I can define my core values, and like in the Navy, the core values are honor, courage, commitment. I'm pretty sure I could ask any Navy person that's been around for, that's alive, and they could answer that question. And it starts to define everything you do, right? And so when it comes down to character or moral decision-making, the reality is, is that if I understand my core values as a person, decision-making becomes a lot easier because I know right and wrong. And it's my right and wrong. It may not be your right or wrong, but it's mine. And I'm not breaking that for anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Honor, courage, commitment, honesty, integrity, uh, respect, uh, effective communication. Th- these are things, uh, you know, that are, are vital to me as an individual and, and therefore they become vital to me as a leader. And so leadership isn't like a nine to five. Mm. Leadership is a 24 yep. seven. And the reality is, is that if I'm driving my car and I'm MFing you because I do that a lot, is that really fit my value system? Nope. Not a chance. Would I talk to my kids that way? Not a chance. Would I talk to my employees that way? Not a chance. So the reality is, is I screw up all the time, but I got to bring myself back to be centered so that when it comes down to really make important decisions, I'm not going to get swayed by bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The analogy here is what yeah. you just said about it, it even boils down to like when you're driving and how you act. And I swear to God, you're not going to believe this. I was driving here today and I was thinking about like the different leadership principles that I have in my mind. And I'm like, it's not just when you're at work from nine to five or whatever that those core hours are. It's 24 hours a day, like you said. No every Every decision you make, you know, every action, it's got to be, it's, it's, it's part of you and who you are. And you mentioned the core values. At what point in a person's life do you think those core values are solidified? Or do you think they're changing all the time? I think they're adapt. I think you're adapting to the new roles you're in. Like everybody's in a different life cycle. So when I was in the military, it's interesting you say that. So whenever I was in the military as a junior, young Navy SEAL, I lived the lifestyle of what you would think of as a junior Navy SEAL. 
I was at the bar, I was partying, I was having fun, right? Uh, you know, I made some bad decisions early on and I had a guy come to me and he was like, you're a Navy SEAL and he's a, he's a SEAL also. And he was like, you know, what are your core values? And I was like, honor, courage, commitment, who ya? Uh, and he was like, that's bullshit. He's like, who are you? Hmm. And he's like, do you live that every day? Is being a Navy SEAL even aligned to that? And, and I was like, man, that's a life cycle I'm in right now of, of being a Navy SEAL. Do my core values align with being a Navy SEAL? Hmm. I determined, yes, 100% they do because what I was doing was righteous. And I could 100% get behind that. Um, but now that I'm a civilian, are, are my value systems the same? When I was in the teams, a lot of my value system was, you know, taking care of others, self before others, uh, uh, excellence as far as perfecting craft. And, like, family was not something that I actually – uh, was was a huge part of to be honest with you. So my sons are badass, but I wasn't around early on because I chose war because that was my core value system. But when I transitioned out and when I realized it was time to transition out, my core value shifted to family being one of those. Mm. And my sons became priority, mm-hmm. right? Now I went through a divorce and it was messy and, and that happens because of some bad decisions on both parts. Uh, three, three sides to every story, yep. you know, <laughs> yeah. situation. I gotcha. uh, and, and that's okay. But I realized that family became a priority, which therefore became a value to me. So excellence and, and achievement and, 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 you know, those values were still there, but family now became one. So how do I now balance that act of being an operator and being a family member? So as the life cycle progressed, my values, I either added values or I subtracted them. I don't think the whole, uh, all of them changed. I think there's some really good ones in there that will stay forever. But I picked some up or I took some away and, and started creating more balance in who I am. Yeah. Um, a question about that. Um, where was I going to go? <laughs> I lost my train of thought Whoa. for a minute. This guy's blowing my mind tonight. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. He's yeah, getting no doubt. in depth on this. So when you, when you come out of the military, I'm sure you're like, I mean, especially being a Navy SEAL, but the military in general, I mean, you have, you got to be, have so much self-confidence, right? And I know that, you know, being a leadership in, in the business world, I mean, you're probably expected to have a certain amount of self-confidence, but is there a line between self-confidence and arrogance and being cocky? Because the arrogance... That doesn't work in the business world most of the time. There's got to be a sense of humility. It doesn't work in the SEAL teams either. Yeah. Um, You know, there is a very fine line there because, you know, how how much are you wanting to achieve? And and sometimes overachievement gets confused with – cockiness right yeah. I, I can put myself in any position this position and survive i, I got this right yeah, yeah. but there is some some confidence in the inside of that you know I, I do think that humble you know marcus aurelius and these guys wrote about this humble ethic uh, ethos um that you didn't always have to beat your chest to show you were the best sometimes you just had to show you were the best uh and, and there's a lot to that right um and, and so you don't the whole talk about it you know you don't have to tell everybody just show them I talk to my sons a lot about this. So my son's a baseball player, soccer player, and he'll score a goal or he'll have a great pitch or whatever. And he's like, Dad, did you see that? And I'm like, act like you've been there before, buddy. Exactly. Just go out and do it again. Can yep. you do it again? Yep. Is that yeah. what you did when you had like a 65-yard punt? You no, no, no. Like, I, I've been there before. I beat my chest, took my helmet, threw it all <laughs> I was jumping all around. <laughs> uh, well, and, and going to the SEALs after the NFL – was that what was the transition there? Did you get a hard time? So, Anything so we, with that? You talk about humble, you know, going from 
not a successful NFL guy. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't a success. I was there, but I wasn't there for long. And then all of a sudden, I was in boot camp. So I was an enlisted guy. I graduated college and enlisted into the Navy at 23 years old. I was a little bit older, too. Uh, you know, they called me Flipper in, in, in boot camp because of the Dolphins. And so here I am, this 23-year-old guy. Now I'm a recruit in the Navy, and I'm a recruit at BUDS, Basic Underwater Demolition School. And some instructors liked it. Some instructors didn't like it. Um, you know, and they, they challenge you and they find your weaknesses and they exploit them for sure. But you're talking about being humbled. I went from being a, a tip of the spear football player when I thought I was a badass mm. to being around real badasses. Yeah. So and buds, I, is that the CBs? No, buds is seal training. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. Like, what's the difference so, between those? Is that? So CBs are, are, um, they're combat engineers, if you will. Okay. So they build things. So we would deploy with CBs and they would build okay. our outstations or they would build our, um, infrastructure, right? Yeah. And, and they were awesome dudes. They were really cool guys uh, that that did phenomenal work. And, you know, if, you, if you're looking to hire a construction manager, project manager, yep. look at the CBs because those guys are stellar at what they do. And, they, and they've done it with bullets flying. So, Crazy. you know, they're they're great. But so they're on the, the infrastructure build. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but in, in combat zones, we were direct action forces okay. that went after went after bad guy. That was our sole mission set. Okay. Gotcha. And I do know the CBs can become hell of a wrestler as well. well and a governor. John Rose? John oh. Rose is a CB though. Oh well. Who, who are you thinking, I'm thinking of? of? Jesse the Body Ventura. Oh. Uh, Jesse was <laughs> a seal. Jesse the Mind. He was a SEAL. He was a SEAL. Was yeah. he, he was a CB though, right? Uh, he, uh, maybe previous. Uh, this he, was, he was off of my Howard Stern knowledge. So <laughs> no, no, he, he, <laughs> what he says on there and like the different groups he was in and it, it, that guy talks a lot and yeah. really fast. So I honestly don't I know he was a SEAL. Okay. Um, from my limited knowledge of him. He was you know, his his whole introduction to the public to public space but he might have been a cb first because a lot of back in the day before i joined you had another rate so rates are kind of your mos in the navy so he might have been a cb first and then went to buds but he, he was a seal though and more importantly when are you going to become a wrestler I've tried. <laughs> Span- Spandex doesn't agree with me. No, it's, uh, not, it's not your forte. No, I think they would boo me off the stage. Uh, good stuff. So before we move on to our next topic, which is going to be operational excellence, um, if you could sit down and have beers with one non-fictional leader, who would that be? Ooh. There, there's a lot of great ones out there. I mean, like I think there's obvious ones where you say, like, Jesus and, and understanding that, but... I'm a, I'm a big fan. So I talked about Marcus Aurelius earlier. I'm, I'm a big warrior guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that there's so many interesting a- aspects of the warrior culture. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I like the Viking culture. You know, I like Alexander the Great was somebody who was a conqueror, but he also had a very metaphoric side to him or, you know, interpersonal side to him. And, and I would like to, to look at people in their late years. So I, I would say Marcus Aurelius in this one, just to understand in his late years, after he had conquered and been in war and been down these interesting paths, you know, he was able to, to, I would love to understand how he could step back and reflect on his life and, and truly embrace that warrior culture. I, I think another one would be interesting is Bruce Lee. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a big fan of, you don't need to know 10,000 punches. You just need to do one punch 10,000 times. Yep. Uh, I think that that's really, really interesting. I think he was taken too early in, in this world, but those guys that, that they developed this, interpersonal perspective that allowed them to be great and their greatness impacted over lifetimes. How how do you, how do you have that much leadership inside of you 
to impact not just the four of us, mm-hmm. right? That's one thing to be like, yeah, I'm a leader of four people. It's another thing to say, my leadership was generational. That's crazy. That is crazy. I got to go home and work on myself. Yeah, you Jeez. do. <laughs> man, oh, man. I'm Are you just now figuring that out, Shoots? Apparently. <laughs> Carrie's going to appreciate this guy by the time I get home tonight. Oh, good. Be Gladiator. Work, Gladiator. One of my top five favorite movies of all time, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when, he, when he's standing there and he's rubbing his hands through the hayfield. Yeah. Oh, uh, God, that's you awesome. Know, and, and, yeah. and there's... There, it's. You can just tell, like, again, it's a movie, yeah. but you can tell that there's like a deeper train of thought, mm-hmm. right? How do you get to that deeper train of thought, essentially? And, and so I want to start meditating because I really feel like there's a lot of lessons that I've learned in life, hard, soft, whatever they are, um, that I can pull from now to go whichever direction I'm going in life and, and, and be a better servant to the world I'm living in and, and that's the challenge I always live with is, is am I impacting enough? Mm. Like I work for, I work for PaveCon and that's great. I, you know, the company's phenomenal and the people I work with are phenomenal people. And I see leader, great leadership all over the place. But is that, is that like my calling? Right. Like, is that influence enough? Yep. Uh, yep. You know, and, and one thing's monetary, like, oh, I'm doing fairly well. Uh, you know, I, I, do I turn that down? But, but at some point you have to look at your values and say, is money one of those yeah. or is impact one of those? Sure. You know, and so like, how do you put yourself in a position? I've thought about like running for office because mm. I feel like that's like, oh man, I can go in and really fight the system and drain the swamp and be yeah. a part of this, like making it better. Uh, but then I, there's some of its minutia around that, but that's another sure. conversation. But like, what's the impact? And I, I also think about this all the time and I'm kind of jumping around, but these 805s got me thinking, um, uh, is what is my legacy? Yep. You know, as a leader, uh, no you, you look at this and you say, what the hell is my legacy going to be? Yeah. I, my ex-wife has a legacy for me for sure. Yep. But like, what's the rest <laughs> yep. of the world yep. think of me? For sure. And even more important, what do my kids think of me? Yep. That's yep. like the legacy you look at and you go, well, it's Cannon or Porter. My dad was cool. My yep. dad was a good dude. My yep. dad was a badass. What What are those describing words? Right. So my son's named after my grandfather, Tom Cannon, who is, in my opinion... A legend. He did it the right way. Yeah. When he shook your hand, it meant something. When he looked you in the eyes, it meant something. Yep. When he spoke, which wasn't that often, you better listen. His legacy will impact generations of my family forever because those stories will be told. Yeah. Right? And he didn't tell them a lot or if ever, but he was a, a World War II D-Day vet, tank commander uh, in, in the Army. You know, he was there three, four years. Like, he fought. He, he had a bronze star. He had a purple heart. He was a dude, and when he spoke, it meant something. Yep. And you know, he has a legacy that he'll leave forever, even though it impacts me. Maybe I'll impact others, but what is that, and what am I leaving behind? Yeah, no, that's that's good stuff. And I mean, I had a uh, an uncle who was in Vietnam, and you know, came back and got a Purple Heart and stuff like that. He's never told anybody the story behind the Purple Heart ever, ever. But he's one of these kind of guys that, you know, just like you were mentioning, he could he could be in a room. And he is, he's, he's very perceptive. He always knows what's going on. He smiles at the right time. He just got this comforting personality. And he doesn't say much, but when he speaks, it's like you're drawn to him, you know, just drawn to him immediately. And he always has something valuable to say, no doubt about it. I, I know that person. And that's even um, to give ourselves a pat on the back, I guess, for booking or your booking, Robert Vollmer. Yeah. That guy, 103 years old, right? 102, mm-hmm. 103. 103, yep. Just retired. 
and he'd been surveying for 67 years. years. Working yeah. as a 102-year-old yeah, gentleman. Yeah, working as a 102-year-old guy for the state of Indiana. So, like, somebody like that, yeah. we literally just – Kent asked him one question, and we just sat back and let him talk for an hour. It was amazing. It what? was probably one of the best episodes we've ever it had. It was amazing, so, which makes to, you, to makes you think. Speaking with like, what you're saying there. Like his selflessness, yep. a leadership quality that, that is forever lasting. Mm. So he led for 60 years government, if you will, mm-hmm. selflessly, yep. right? At what point do you say, I can make more money doing something else? Like I, I, right. I, I look at people yeah. like that and I go, damn, like what was he thinking? How did he think through that? How did he face the challenges that he yeah. faced? Like that's, like he would be someone I'd love to just sit there and, and drink a beer with. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, we have him booked for uh, his birthday in, in May. In May. Yep. When he turns 104, he's coming back on, he said. Oh, that's super <laughs> so we'll cool. Have, we'll have you back. You can, you can sit yeah. in on that yeah. one. Yeah, beer's yeah, that on, beer's on me. That was sure. sure. So let's, uh, let's kind of transition here a little bit to operational excellence and how leadership ties into it. So the best definition, well, in my opinion, that I found as far as operational excellence goes is uh, the execution of the business strategy more consistently and reliably than the competition with lower operational risk, lower operating costs, and increased revenues relative to its competitor. Like that? I like that a lot. <laughs> That's not so bad, right? Nailed it. <laughs> I can't take credit for it. but uh, um, So how, how do we get there? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's that old expression, like, make more than you spend. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, business operational excellence is looked at a lot of different ways. I think I think goals and success are looked at you know, depending on who you are, if you're my sales guy, your goal and success is selling, right? Like I'm holding you to that. What, what are you accountable to? Mm-hmm. You know, and so your revenue goal is is your business pipeline and, and that's how you are graded. Me as a business leader, my bottom line is what's important to me mm-hmm. uh, and what I'm graded on, right? And so business excellent, I think you need to look at where you sit in the circle of your business, right? So at what level am I in? So if I'm a new guy, uh, my, my business excellence, operational excellence is probably just getting shit done. Right. And in the SEAL teams, that was a big deal. Like if you're a new guy, you better, you better raise your hand. You better get it done. Right. And that's or you're getting whatever happens in the SEAL teams. Uh, once you become a leader or a manager, I will say manager, your operational excellence is ensuring that your crew and team get it done and, and and you're looking a little bit ahead. You're trying to find the next challenge that they may face and you're driving them to to the goal, right? So the manager role, the leader role at that point is you're the sled dog driver. The sled dog is your team, you're the sled dog driver and you're giving guidance, right? So your operational excellence is is making sure that you're hitting your goals and you're doing so efficiently and effectively. At the next level up of, of kind of that leadership role, once you go from into this leadership where you're leading other leaders, your operational excellence becomes a little bit different. Now it's more bottom line. Like, how do I cut costs by still getting the same results, by still going after and, and driving company goals, right? And then when you're a visionary, your operational excellence, yeah, for sure, you're looking at bottom line, you're looking at all that, but it's, it's, it's am I evaluating the company on the trajectory of growth? So where am I on the S-curve? Right. So I think that understanding the different leadership levels and the different employee levels, you know, operational excellence is going to be different for everyone. Now, the vision of the company is to be profitable or you're not a company anymore. Uh, but but each part to that is going to play or each level to that is going to play a role in getting to the vision. And so mission, vision, values are obviously something I live by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I love your definition. But I think if you broke it down even further, every 
piece to it has to understand their exact role to get to that. And, and, and there's a lot behind that. I think communication plays such a huge part in that. I could tell a bunch of stories on bad communication, but yeah. um, operational excellence, that's to me, like thinking through that in a little more granular level is, is, is cost as people and, and, and material and, and product, you know, cogs, if you will. How do I limit that? How do I make that effective? How do I lower overhead by still being excellent? And that to me is giving direct, clear guidance to the people to go execute at the right levels at the right time uh, to create the right outcomes. So if I'm hearing you correctly, and I like this, um, operational excellence isn't just looked at from the highest level. No. Like every single person, every single employee should have their own personal operational excellence that they're trying to live up to or achieve. A hundred percent. Right? I think that's goal setting, right? Sure. I think that y'all's the most junior employees. Do they have goals? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I just think of uh, Bill Belichick. Do your job. Yeah. Do your job. uh, I feel like you would love Bill Belichick. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I I think I would. But I I think, you know, it's, it's accountability at every level. It's leadership at every level. And you heard me spot on that every level should have a goal. Every person should be tasked for a desired outcome. Because what's the, if you're not, then where are you working towards? Mm-hmm. And especially when you're working with the millennial force, you know, if they don't have like a purpose in what they're doing or they're not going in a certain direction, then they're not really going to shine. You give them that purpose and you give them that ability and you communicate effectively, those, they'll take off and they'll be great, right? And so I think you have to you have to designate leadership at every level. And if you're looking at the top brass to be your idea of operational excellence, you're probably looking at the wrong levels. Because if they're focused on the business, actually, of, of the day-to-day, mm-hmm. then they're probably not focused on the right thing. And their operational excellence is wrong. Yep. I think Jeff Be- Bezos said it the best. He's like, if you're a leader, a CEO of a business, and you're thinking of this quarter, you're thinking in the wrong quarter. You should be two or three years ahead of yourself. And, and so I think that you have to be able to, to break, break that out, disseminate information effectively and efficiently so that every level inside your organization can execute at the highest levels. I, I, think, I think it's safe to say that most companies don't function that way, unfortunately. No. So I, I think for, for those companies, it would be a paradigm shift to all of a sudden try to get all your employees to be thinking that way. That's a, that's a tough uh, tough road to hold there. Well, well culture, right? I yep. mean, that's a cultural shift. And so what I would challenge there is incremental change. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you can't come in throwing hand grenades. I talk about that all the time. If you come in my office and you throw hand grenades because that's the change you want, it's not going to work. It's yeah. going to blow up and we're all going to die. Uh, but that incremental change. So I, I would start very, very easily into this. As a leader, I'd say, what are my goals? What's my one-year goal? What's my half-year goal? What's my quarterly goal? Hell, what's my goal tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So when I wake up in the morning, I actually write down my calendar, what I have to do that day. And then I write down, what am I grateful for? Uh, what am I grateful for? Uh, what is my purpose for the day? And I name like two or three things. I keep it very simple because I need to focus on those things. And then I have a brain dump part of my journal as well. And all of those need to align to my actions for the day. Right. And so me as a leader in an organization, I'm looking at way down the line. I'm looking at bigger picture, trying to organize and orchestrate it all. But my guys that were sales guys, I needed them to show up on time and and do the proposals and, 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 and talk to customers. And so your daily goal was X, your weekly goal was Y, your monthly goal was Z. And if you did X, Y, and Z, then you're going to be rewarded for that. 
right? And that, to me, starts to create this operational excellence. So incremental change. Start high level with the leader. I'm going to set a goal and a vision for the company, and I'm going to tell everybody about it a million times over. Change management. Ten times you have to say it or no one's going to listen. And then I'm going to challenge the people right below me to do the exact same thing. And then I'm going to let them work through the shit that they're going to go through because they're going to fail. And then I'm going to challenge the people below them. And then I'm going to challenge the next people. And now I've created top-down leadership. Yep. After I evaluate that, I'm going to start to create bottom-up leadership. And I'm going to let the people below me say, this is what I'm working on. Okay, cool. Well, this is what I'm working on. Now it goes up. And now we've created a top-down, bottom-up leadership style that's going to be culturally successful. You mentioned something there um, you know, about writing things down. And there is definitely something to be said about literally writing stuff down. It's totally different than putting a flag in your Outlook calendar and all that BS. Yeah. When you write it down, it immediately elevates it as far as accountability goes. Now, isn't that part of the seven habit, habits of highly effective people? What is it, Stephen Covey? I, again, one of those yeah. books that, yeah, the lovely Carrie got me to read this one. And <laughs> one of them is making lists and actually physically writing things down yeah. and setting your goals. For so. sure. So, so my old boss, I don't know if this numbers are spot on. I, I might butcher this a little bit. He'd say, if you write it down, you're 30% more likely to succeed. And if you tell somebody, you're 70% Absolutely. more likely to succeed. Totally they agree. hold you accountable, yeah. especially if you tell your yep. spouse. That's a, <laughs> then it really, that's yeah. like 100%. Yeah. Otherwise, she's going to ride me until it's done. Uh, no, no doubt. <laughs> I, I live that world. Yeah, so I, so I start my day every day by writing it down. And then I, I actually physically cross it off. And I know some people say, well, checklist are not what leaders do. And I, I disagree. You know, because yeah. it gives me my parameters. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm one of those guys that I have ADD. I think we talked about that a minute ago. And I'll end up in a whole, i end up in the wrong state if they, if you let me. Oh, you yeah. know, but you got to give me, if I give myself the parameters, because at some point you got to lead yourself. And yeah. I'm in a position where I'm doing that. Uh, I give myself those checklists. And when I finish it, you know what? I start looking to the next checklist, yep. but that doesn't mean I go execute that next checklist. Maybe that's a time for me to reflect and make sure that all the things behind me have been done correctly and follow up on the things that I need to follow up on. You know, I, I'm, I am a big believer in, and is, I mean, you may work really, really long days and that's okay because there's a lot of busyness that goes on with being a leader, you know, because you have your task and then you have everybody else that comes and tells you about their task. Uh, and that's a part of your day. Um, but, but I, I like to, to look ahead, but I also like to let the things that I'm looking ahead at happen in the future. Yeah. Right. Because I need that time as a leader to reflect on the things that I'm doing really, really well or not doing really, really well and make those adjustments. Yeah. And it's also, you know, you mentioned working, you know, a bunch of hours as a leader, this and that. But I mean, something that I almost drive myself insane with is working smarter, not harder. <laughs> like almost to the point where I become obsessed with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's crazy. And something else you said that I, I'll be curious to see what your reaction is to this. Maybe even do this. I have no idea. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, physically writing the list down and then checking things off as you accomplish those things. So my oldest daughter, um, she's 24, works at Vanguard and her and my youngest daughter both got, you know, journals and planners or whatever for Christmas. And she's to the point now, I mean, she does exactly that. You know, she'll write down her goals for the day or whatever things to do. And she goes, Dad, she goes, sometimes I'll even write stuff down that I've already done and check it off just because it makes me feel good. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. So, so there's a, um, Admiral McRaven. 
You wrote a book about it, Make Your Bed Every Day, mm. right? You start your day with a win. Mm-hmm. That win is so poor, important because it gives you that snowball effect, right? Yep. Jocko talks about this too. Yeah. A lot of the Navy SEALs that, that have written books, and I'm not a book writer. I'm, I'll never be one of those guys, but a lot of those guys are my buddies, and they write these books, and, and it's about getting wins, creating that snowball effect and, and creating that snowball effect of not only impact for yourself, but impact for others, right? And and one thing that we talk a lot about in the SEAL teams and and it applies to business because a lot of things don't apply because I've made those mistakes already to think that I can treat my team like the SEAL teams. It doesn't work all the time. But uh, one of the things that we we, uh, we look at is, is structure allows me to do a whole lot more. And almost uh, structure is freeing type of concept. That structure of writing it down and checking it off, it's amazing how much more productive I am by saying, okay, boom. At nine o'clock, I have this. At ten o'clock, I have this. Eleven. Now, am I going to miss? Absolutely, sometimes, but I can finish these tasks fairly fast, and it frees me up to do so much more, right? And, and then it allows me to truly be creative mm. and, and say, okay, well, how are we going to do this tomorrow? How are we going to do this a year from now? How are we going to make a difference and an impact and create more revenue opportunities and growth, uh, and, and not just be like buried in the minutia, right? And so that's if I if I didn't do that. I would waste time doing shit that doesn't matter. And that as a leader is, is so frustrating. Like that, that I can't stand whenever I feel like, man, I was so busy. I'm so tired today. And then I look back at what I did and I'm like, I didn't do anything. I just yeah. sent a bunch of emails. Right. Right. right? And, and so the reality is, is that structure allows me to be, to free me up to go grow my business. It frees your mind. A hundred percent. I do feel like if I have a full day scheduled and I get things done, I feel more energized at the end of the day. Absolutely. Than when it's just no willy-nilly no BS all day. Well, it's a win. It's it's a win. And winning, I love winning, right? And so win. Get out of bed with a W. That's exactly That's what right. I like. Now, but, now I'm going to have to get up and make my bed tomorrow. That, that's one book, actually, that I've read recently. So it's funny that you mentioned that. And I've actually subscribed to that probably as if like a year ago, every morning making yeah. your bed. And it's that, that psychology of getting that first early, like you said, that first early win. It's so easy to do. But that can snowball, and when you set that, then everything else kind of just falls in place after that. And it's such an easy thing to do, not even to say when you're done with your day and you're coming back to that, like, and you know that you can just start over from there. It's a cycle when you see that it's made. Yep. So yep. that's something I started to do about a year ago after I read that. And it's such a small book to read it. Yeah. Um, definitely check that out. So yeah. it's a small W, and then you get that W at the end of the day when you come back and you're exactly to that's get what I'm saying. It. I full, like this. It's a, it's a <laughs> full cycle. Hand end. Yeah. So, well, well, think about it, dude. Like, and the reality is, is like in Bud. So when Adam McRaven talks about that, I believe he's talking about Bud. I haven't read the book, but I know the story. Yeah. And so in Bud, you just get your butt kicked. So Bud's basically going to demolition school. You just get your butt kicked for like 12 hours in the day. Like you're just getting hammered. But every day you wake up and you make your bed and you're like, okay, cool. I did something that mm. nobody else is going to tell me I'm a piece of shit for. Yep. You know what I mean? Now they may crash my bed because I didn't have it perfectly creased. But the reality is, is I did that and I did it the best of my ability and it, and it looks really good. And I'm proud of that. Yep. Now I may walk out the door and get punched right in the face by 10,000 different problems. Right. But you know what? That's okay. Because I'm going to absorb those problems. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to prioritize what I need to do. I'm going to execute. And then I'm going to come home and I'm going to sit down on that freshly made bed and i'm saying you know what tomorrow i'm gonna fucking get after it again yep and your wife's gonna be like you made the bed today yeah. this uh, is awesome she's oh. a, she's actually listening to this right now going that piece of shit doesn't make his bed <laughs> well i would say like the biggest thing is humility yeah and it boils down to ma- it for yeah, sure man uh, man oh man i am fantastic at that one but 
you know, is it really making your bed to the best of your ability, or is it just kind of like throwing the sheet and blanket up and, okay, that's enough? I'll tell you this. like, Because that's where I'm how, at. However you make your bed is how you're going to make yeah, your day. Yeah, then I half-ass my days. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. Like, yeah. if you're going to do it, do, do it right. Right? Yeah, for sure. Well, even as something as simple as making your bed. And then when you do one thing right, everything else you're going to do that day, you're going to do right, too. Do it right or don't yeah. do it at so all. My grandfather That's used to always say, there's two ways to do things. There's the right way, and then again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll just go ahead and do it the right way. Oh, my goodness. This guy's so full of mantras <laughs> for my life. I need to write these down. <laughs> Let's take it, I mean, not to get too, like, philosophical or whatever, but... So you make your bed, you know, you've got your got your list done for the day. And I think that puts you in the right mindset. You know, I don't know what you feel or how you feel about the, the power of positive thinking. You mm-hmm. know, I don't want to talk about the secret or whatever, you know, but I mean, I personally think there's there's something to it. You know, you put it out there into the universe that, you know, you're achieving this or whatever. You know, it, it, it's more likely to happen. No question. And I keep talking about the sale teams a lot, but that's my experiences. You know, we used to always talk about there is no plan B. Right, I'm putting it to the world that I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. I'm going to do it. It's not gonna. Nothing could stop me from getting to that point. I used to tell people, I was a Navy SEAL before I showed up here. I just <laughs> got to go through the process now. Mm. Right, and maybe that's a little bit cocky, but that was me saying, you know what? I'm putting it to the universe that there's no other freaking option available. You know what? And I'm gonna show up every day, and I'm gonna get my butt kicked, and I'm gonna do my thing. I'm gonna do whatever I need to do. But at the end of the day, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and do it again because I got six months. Yep. And that's six, I can sit on my head for six months. Like it doesn't matter. Put it to the universe. Write it down. Tell your friend. Tell whoever. Wake up in the morning. Have a morning huddle with your team and say, hey, here's my goals for the day. I'm excited. Let's get it done. And then they can hold you to it or whatever it is. And one of my – so put it out to the world. This is interesting. I was talking about this earlier. I don't, um, one of my best friends uh, and buds – I won't say his name, but he's he's an absolute savage, like just complete stud. He'll be here next week. I'm really excited to see him. I haven't seen him in a while. One of the best human beings I've ever been around in my life. Um, we're in Hell Week. It's like the first day of Hell Week. And Hell Week is five days of staying up all night and, and never sleeping. You sleep for like two hours, and it's just it's, it's a suck fest. Um, and so he looks at me, and he goes, and, and he had been to Bud's before and didn't make it, hmm. and he was coming back a second time. Now he's one of the most elite operators in the world. Wow. Uh, but he um, he looks at me, and he goes, everybody called me T.O. back then, and he was like, T.O., you you going to quit? And I was like, no, I'm not going to quit. And he goes, I go, are you going to quit? And he goes, no, I'm not going to quit. And I said, okay. And he, he looks at me, and he goes, I'm going to hold you to it. And I'll never forget that. rest of my life. Yep. I, I, I remember exactly where I was on the boat. And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to hold you to it too. Yep. And we, every time he put it out to the world, yep. I'm going to hold you to becoming a Navy SEAL. I don't care what happens right this second, tomorrow, the next day. I look at you, you look at me, and we know what that means. And he put it to the world and he held me accountable. I think that's the first time I ever got goosebumps on this show. <laughs> Not going to lie. That one was good. And I, oh, I think man. You can, you can tie that into business as well. You know, as, as a business owner, you know, whether you're a small business, your goal or whatever is going to be, you know, a million dollar gross revenue or what have you. And you can do that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And once you put it out there, you're much more likely to to accomplish those goals. No, our company just went through that, that exercise of, hey, every division leader, you need to create your budget for 2021. You need to create mm-hmm. your goal set for 2021. Every project manager or sales guy, you need to create your goal. And we're going to put it into our CRM and our Power BI. Mm-hmm. And every month you're going to you're going to be graded on that. Right. So yep. you're going to tell me what you're going to do. And then you're going to do it. 
Yep. And if you don't do it this month, guess what? Your goal for next month just got a little bigger because yep. your in-state goal is where you're after. And, you know, I think there's so much to that. Beforehand, we never really had done that at this company. This was before I'd been there. Uh, and it was always like, yeah, we got goals. And, you know, they were, and we were a growing company. We're a very large company, PaveCon is. And, and a lot of success had happened. You know, it was almost like a success by accident. It was a lot of hard work and people grinded. And, and the, the owner, David Walker, who is incredible, uh, person, he did it on his back, right? Yeah. It wasn't like I'm setting a goal for tomorrow. It was like, I'm doing this and this is what I got. This is my life's work. Uh, but now we're starting to create this, this opportunity to, to truly hold our team accountable. And we saw growth this year. We saw, and we're going to continue to see that growth because we've identified where we're going. You know, like I, I always tell people as a leader, the sled dog mentality is you're going to give me a left flank. You're going to give me a right flank. Give me a goal. I may beat the walls down trying to get to that goal, but I'm going to get there and I'm going to drive my sled as fast as I possibly can. And I'm going to let my sled dogs work as hard as they possibly can. And I'm going to crack that whip and I'm going to move them. I'm going to move them. I'm going to move them, but we got to get that goal. But if you don't tell me what that goal is or identify that goal, don't expect me to ever get there. How important is it to make those goals like realistically achievable? I know there's a lot of companies out there that just kind of, you know, set goals for their sales folks that are really unrealistic and then they don't reach those goals. And then maybe that's that slend dog mentality you're talking about. And they get beat down because they didn't reach those goals that were basically unobtainable in the beginning. Don't those goals have to be somewhat realistic? Absolutely. I never understood like stretch goals. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like that, that I thought that was always silly. I was like, so buds has a finite end state. You graduate. Right. And so like, I never really understand, like, if you, if I know you're a $2 million guy and that's what you sell and that's what you've done historically for the past five years, why would I tell you to sell three? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yep. Maybe you're going to feel like a failure. You're going to feel like a failure, but also you're really good at selling $2 million. Maybe I'll say $2.1. Maybe I'll say $2 million, but I'm going to start grooming you for a leadership role. Yeah. I might, this may be easy. Two million may be easy for you. So I'm going to fill your plate, not with going and selling more, but I'm going to fill your plate maybe with some professional development. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fill your plate with, Hey, go spend a little time with your family. Yep. You know, I'll recharge that battery. I'm going to, I'm going to fill your plate with, Hey, can you please go mentor that new guy who's yep. struggling a little bit? Yep. Right. Two million. The difference between 2 million and 3 million is a shit ton of work that is not going to allow him to give back to the organization. Mm-hmm. You know, mentorship is, is something I truly believe in. <laughs> and if you're a, if you're a leader and you're, a, and you're a part of an organization and you're not identifying people to bring up and to mentor correctly, then you're failing as a, as a senior leader inside of an organization. Right. And so I would rather give you 2 million instead of 2.5 and give you a new guy to, to groom. Yeah, you yeah. definitely just struck a chord with the M word there. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I mean, mentorship is something that I am a huge believer in. And unfortunately, I'm part of a profession that is, I don't know, <laughs> going away just because there aren't enough mentors, enough people that are willing to be mentors. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> That's definitely one of the one of the words that it's a trigger word for me. Absolutely, <laughs> it's probably the most important thing you can do. You know, absolutely. Uh, like again, it goes back to your legacy. What we just were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like I had one of my new guys. Uh, I love this dude. He told one of the other old guys that he was so thankful to have me as an old guy. And it wasn't because I was like a good operator. I, I took time to like teach him, and, and I hammered him when I needed to hammer him, and I rewarded him when I needed to reward him. But I, I just took the time. And the reality is, is like, if you want to have a great workforce, onboard them really, really well, like focus on onboarding, because that's probably the most important piece to this whole puzzle. Yep. 
and then give them a mentor that they can confide in, you know, because they're scared of their leader because mm-hmm. they don't want to let them down. Yep. But if they have a mentor, they can go to and be like, man, that Thomas guy, he's a real dick and they're okay. And that's okay. Or they can go in and say, Hey, I really don't understand how to do this. Like they said a bunch of stuff in that morning meeting that I don't understand. Can you please explain it to me? And then all of a sudden that mentor says, absolutely. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do it with you. Instead of ridiculing. Exactly. Instead of saying, mm-hmm. you didn't get the job done. Why didn't you get the job done? And they look at you and go, I didn't know how. Right. Actually, I actually have a funny story and, and it's real you, fast. Go for it. Good. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a leader. Uh, I'm trying to be a leader in, in the teams and SEAL teams. And uh, I, had a, I had a task that I tasked my newer guys to go build a bunch of boats. And it was like Zodiac boats that you drive around and you, you zip around in the ocean and whatever. And, and so I came in, I said, hey, I need these done by nine o'clock in the morning tomorrow. Get it done. Peace. I'm going on upstairs to do whatever I need to do. I come down at like 8.30 in the morning and like one and a half boats had been done out of like seven hmm. boats. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I lose my mind. I flip some tables. I start screaming. I'm like, what? how could you not, uh, what the heck? I don't understand. And, and finally they look at me and they're like, dude, we didn't understand how to do it. And I was like, shit. Hmm. Wow. I'm the problem. Yep. So you failed. Them. As a leader, I failed them as a leader, as a mentor. Yep. And I sat down and taught them how to do it. And the next thing you know, they crushed it. Yep. It was the best. I was like, man, that's great. I, I couldn't have done this any better. I never wanted, like, y'all are amazing at what y'all do. But as a leader, I looked at it and said, man, I completely failed because I didn't take the time to effect- effectively communicate. Yep. And I didn't take the time to just show them and mentor them and, and get my hands a little dirty and have a little bit of extra work. That's okay. Because they ended up, the results after I did it were so phenomenal that if I'd have just done that the first time, everybody would have had more time in their day to do other more important stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that was definitely like a, 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 I don't know, a career-defining moment, you know, whether you knew it at that point in time or not, you know, but in hindsight, that's a great story. And uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, good mentors are like gold. There's no doubt about it. No, no question. And if you're a leader of an organization, it's your duty. I think of, I think it is your duty. It's not your duty to like coach me or mm-hmm. say, let me give you some advice here. I, I, let me, let me challenge your way of thinking. Yeah. No, no. Let, let me actually like roll my sleeves with you. Let, let me, let me walk in your shoes because I've been there before. I understand what you're going through. The challenges of life are tough, but you know what? I'm going to be here with you and, and I got your back in it. And it builds respect as well. No doubt. Um, hmm. God, that's good stuff. What's the difference between mentoring and coaching? So there's actually a book called The Trillion Dollar Coach, a uh, really good book. I recommend y'all for checking it out if you if y'all haven't. Uh, so coaching is essentially I'm telling you how to do it, what to do, go do, right? Mentoring is, is grabbing your hand and saying, hey, I'm here for you on all aspects. Coaches have their goals and their priorities of win losses. If you think about like a football coach, mm-hmm. like my job is to create wins and losses. I'm going to organize and I'm going to structure and essentially lead, right? So coaches would be more like leaders in my opinion. The mentors would be like the 15-year vet coming in and saying, hey, rookie, this is how I do it. This is how I structure my day. This is how I eat. This is what, how I lift. This is how I do. So he, he's, not, he's not there. He's there almost to be not a friend. That's probably the wrong word, but to be a guide rail, mm. a, gu- a guide post, if you will. The coach is there to drive and get it done and go and, 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 and make those changes and tweaks and, and be a blunt force. Mm. The mentor is there to to grab your hand and say, I've done that before and I did it really bad. Mm-hmm. You're not going to make that same mistake. Maybe well, uh, even just going back to his exact 
uh, example of leader versus mentor. Leader, you said, get it done. I'm out of here. Mentor, you guys, you did it with them. Yeah. It's that simple. It's, 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 and that's a leader and a mentor in one. Yeah, and I think the there's uh, empathy might be the difference between great, great, I love that. Between coaching and mentoring. Yeah, that, that's a tough one, though. It's a tough one. Being Something a, that I <laughs> I try really hard to be better at on a daily basis. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you and I both, my friend. Yeah, if you knew the people around me, they'd be like, Thomas, empathy. Hmm. Those might be contrasting words, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's important, though. Um, so from an operational excellence perspective, how how do you how do you create and build value? You know, I think there's lots of different types of value. Um, you know, I think there's there's the human value, human capital, if you will. There's the monetary value. You know, first off, you got to define real goals. You know, and I don't think monetary is always the end state mm-hmm. goal. Yep. I think that yes, that keeps your business going, capitalism alive, and and allows you to grow your business and to make more impact. But I also think adding value can come in so many different forms, right? Like it could be the person who takes the notes at the, the meetings to allow you to have more productive meetings. There's no monetary gain lost there, but it allows you to be more productive. Mm-hmm. And so how do you create that value? It, it, again, it goes down to the levels of where you are in the business. So if you're a new guy, you're creating value by learning, yeah, right? Right. You're, you're creating value by learning and, 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 and willingness to try, right? And that's okay. And that's fine. And I'm willing to pay for that. I'm willing to pay you to, to, uh, to, to work through that phase, that onboarding, if you will. It's, I always call it time to value. What's your real time to value mm. as a person? As a new guy moving into construction, which is the industry I'm in, that might be a year. But, dude, whenever you hit that position where you're, you're adding value, you're going to add so much. I see it. I, I can see it now. Um, you know, whenever you're a leader, you know, you're adding value by, by impacting and influence the people around you, by guiding by by being that visionary, by providing that guidance, by by giving the 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 um, uh, you know the the influence of of whatever you're trying to get to, by creating goals and so on and so forth, and so <clears throat> you're setting that value and you're adding that value at different levels and it's very different things, uh, but but I always hear people talk about value as money, and and I would challenge you to look differently and say if you do the things that are revenue generating and you do them really, really well, then you're going to generate money, right? Just add value in every aspect you can and, and always be looking for work. That's something I learned in the military is, is, is whenever you're talking about adding value, like when you finish something, look around and add value somewhere else, right? You're never finished. So like if we're in this, this space run right now and y'all were working on something and I was working on something individually and I finished it early and it, it, it was what we, if it's executed correctly, I would want to look around and find more work and walk up to you and say, Hey, what can I do to help? Cause that's adding value now to you. Yeah. And if I can add value to you, I can make it a better process, more effective, more efficient, and ultimately, hopefully either save time, money, or energy, right? That's going to make the company more money, right? So when you're adding value, it doesn't need to be monetary. It, it, it needs to be something that you can actually feel and touch and, and, and grab and intangible mm-hmm. where you can, you can look back on the day and say, yep, I did that. How do you parlay all that into adding value to your clients? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So, you know, customer focused selling, I don't believe the customer's always right. 
Uh, like I always hear that. It's like the customer is right. You need to do it. Well, actually, mm-hmm. you're in my field of expertise. If I need a if I need a weaponsmith or if I need a weapon, I'm going to go to a weaponsmith. If I if I need a, a if I need to do my taxes, I'm going to call an accountant. Right. I'm not going to tell the accountant how to do my taxes because what the hell do I know? Um, and so when I when I work with my clients, a lot of the value I like to add is saying, hey, I might not be the lowest bidder. I honestly may disagree with the scope of work that you're saying should be done because I've been doing this for so long that I see it differently. What I'm going to add value to you is I'm going to be very, very honest and trustworthy. And, and if they're better than me, because for whatever reason, I'm going to tell you that. And that's okay. Because at the end of the day, I want to build a partnership. I don't want a one-time event. Yep. And so the value I add to my customer is, is not always like that sleazy car salesman where it's like, I can get that done. Well, you know what? Maybe I can't maybe I'm going to have to look around and use other resources. You know what? But I'm going to let you know that up front. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, just be a very straightforward conversation. And, and at the end of the day, you know, that to me gives the customer the satisfaction of saying, man, you may be a little bit more expensive, but the reality is, is that I trust you and I know you're going to do it right. Yep. You know, I think the, the key word there was trust, no doubt. And it's always, you know, the, what do they say? It's, it's best to uh, undersell and overdeliver yeah. versus the opposite, of course. You know, you don't want to be put in that position any day of the week. So. That last answer he just gave, Jake, can you cut that? I'm going to make that like my voicemail message. <laughs> Anybody that calls me, that's what they're going to hear. And yes, that's, that is the way that I live my life as well. So, yeah, that was well, well, how many well cu- put. How many customers have y'all had that you did a $100,000 job for them, right? Or 20000 or 10000 It doesn't matter the value. You did a job for them, yeah. and then you never got that repeat yep. work, sure, because you, you you did something weird in the process, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You know, and and to me, I look at that as such a huge fail. Like if you talk about adding value as a as a as an operational person, if you can get that repeat customer service, or they come back to you every time, regardless of price, because price to me is just a derivative of value and service, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so. If they're going to come back to you every single time and they're not even going to look for another bid or another product or another whatever, they're just going to come back to you because they know. That brand loyalty to me is is, is so important. Mm-hmm. And if you can't create that, yep. then you really need to look at your company and, and who you are and say, what am I doing wrong here? For sure. You're going to work so much harder Smarter, not harder. Absolutely. And and you're going to get so much less money. (laughs) So much Monetarily, you're going to be like giving it away. Well, your reputation's everything. Well, I think you got to figure out who you want to be because if you're you're working for a company that is getting work because you're consistently the lowest bidder, first of all, there's probably clients you really don't want to work for if they're just (laughs) basing their selection off the lowest bidder, you know, versus like a a qualification-based thing. Um, But yeah, I think it's important, and I mean, you nailed it. Um, There's there's so many times where we have to stop and educate our clients. You know, like you said, the customer's not always right, but it's our job as professionals and experts in what we do to take the time to educate them. So would you say selling is leading? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So selling, if you're a really good salesperson, you can lead because you Mm, can influence. For sure. You know, if you're a really good leader, you can probably sell because you're, you're, you really understand what it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And and you're educating the consumer, which to me is the most vital piece to it all. No question. Anybody can call PaveCon or anybody can call our competitors Mm -hmm. and say, 
I need you to come fix a pothole. Right. Eh, okay, gotcha. I, that's a phone book lookup. Yep, that's not. Yep, a, yep. But can I treat them really, really well so their next pothole they call me again? Right. And then their next pothole they call me again, and then here you go. They need to completely redo their parking lot. Yep. Okay, that five thousand, five thousand just turned into a million for sure. And, and so that that's that trust and that that that's the value. In you got to invest that time. No doubt, you have to. No question. No question. Just well, always do the right thing. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I could talk for hours. Uh, <laughs> um, let's uh, let's kind of get move on here. Oh, this was kind of a zinger here. I came up with just before we got on here. What the heck is wrong with the Arizona Cardinals from an operational excellence <laughs> perspective? <laughs> I'm not saying a, a word because I'm friends with some of those guys. Uh, you know, I actually went. So my fiance is a Seahawks fan. So, Oof. I, I, yeah, I went. I went to the Seahawks Cardinals game and and I watched them beat the Seahawks in some crazy overtime, missed field goal, iced themselves situation. Yep. Uh, yep. So I, I'm not going to claim that I can fix the the Cardinals, but I do think they're on the, a good path. Mm. You know, I, I like the quarterback. I, I'm a big fan, a great athlete, yeah. and they got some, some decent wide receivers. Obviously, Fitzgerald is a complete amazing. You're talking about a leader. There you go. There, Best that's ever. There, there's that. Arguably, vet, that, that's an incredible. Oh, yeah. uh, it's a 15-year vet you're yeah. talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. D Hop. Oh my goodness, that's that's phenomenal, right? I think they got a good coach too. He's a little bit junior. He's he's new and and coming from the college world. Like I saw. Uh, Mr. Saban go from college to the NFL, and it was a challenge. You know, there's a lot of different stuff there. I think they're putting the pieces in place. Um, Got to be patient, I guess. You do, but patience only lasts so long in sports. Well, unfortunately, and it's just you have to see growth from year to year. Yeah, you know, it's it's young. There's mm-hmm. some young, but 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 Fitzgerald seems like he's he's. I mean, what he missed his first game in like 12 seasons yeah. this year. Yeah, it was COVID. COVID uh, yeah, which is I don't count it because that's a different that doesn't count. Well, yeah. this guy's got some good hair. You gonna give him Don Crow's number? Or I might what? have to. Oh, might have to. We'll have a conversation. By the same guy as Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, well, I kind of style is similar to him. Yeah, say yeah. This. I'll hook you up. <laughs> I got a guy. He's he's a good looking dude. I'll, I'll, I'll go to that. Here. There you go. Sure. I, I feel like you guys could be twins. Don, you, Don you, you Crow. You might be a little taller than him, but. Don Crow specializes in good looking dudes. <laughs> How did you get in? <laughs> I know you were just setting me up for that I, one. I gra- you threw it up and I just. <laughs> I, I grandfathered in. <laughs> Literally. All right. Exactly. Right. All right, Thomas. Um, man, this could be a lengthy answer. I have no idea. Or it could be short and sweet. What motivates you? Oh, you know, what gets, what, oh, that's a, that's a tough one. And the reality is, is that I think there's a lot of factors to that. Um, what motivates me is probably, uh, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm one of those people that looks at myself and says, man, what have I done? You know, like I got a pretty cool background, but like the reality is, is like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like I'm only as good as my next situation um, in the SEAL teams, it's generic to say this, but like you earn your trident every day, you know, like what motivates me is that I can't let the people down around me. I got to show up every day and bring it because I'm hoping that they're doing the same thing. Right. And, and so when I wake up in the morning and if it's making my kids breakfast or if it's going to work or whatever that is, um, you got to make sure you perform because that one moment you don't. And I think I learned this in the military where it's life and death. You know, that one moment you don't could cost greatly, Mm. you know, and that's what motivates me. It's like the fear of failure almost, like showing up and sucking. Sure. 
it's an internal motivation. It is. And that's, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, of, I, I don't listen to speeches and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go punch through the wall. Yeah. You know, I'd rather like think to myself and say, I got to do this today. And if I don't, there's consequences. Not but, even going to punch through a wall for Saban? No, not at all. <laughs> what about uh, Metallica? Yes. <laughs> so I, That'll make you punch through so, a wall. So cool story of Metallica. So Metallica, so I, I listen to Metallica a lot. I, I, I'm a huge fan. But I'll start playing it. So my oldest son's favorite song is One. Oh, wow. Uh, and then Inner Sandman, obviously, is a classic that they listen to. And I'll turn it on as we're like doing something. And you'll see them in the back, and they're just bobbing their heads. That's awesome. And I'm like, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> You've taught them well. Yeah. yeah, no question, no question. What are you excited about uh, for uh, 2021? Yeah, there's so much to be excited about. You know, everybody is like, oh, I'm so glad I'm done with 2020. What a disaster. You know, the reality is it's like you just got to get tough. You know what I mean? Like, like we're all still here. I mean, a lot of people aren't. I get it. COVID was terrible, and there's a lot of bad stuff that took place, political and so on and so forth, riots and everything. But the reality is is like you look at that and you learn from it. And you say, you know what, I'm not going to do that again. Or, or how, do we, how do we positively impact 2021? And, and, and what I'm excited about is seeing people bounce back, get back on their feet, and get after it. And hopefully they learn something from 2020, and they're not sitting here like licking their wounds. They've patched up their wounds. Yep. They got their war paint on, and they're ready to go. You know what I mean? Because like we don't need another disaster like that. The economic downturn mm-hmm. of what took place is going to last us for years. Yep. We need people to get back to work and we need people, we need the government to open up a little bit, not to get political. And and we need people to go execute and get it done, right? We don't need this bickering and animosity and nonsense. We need people to look around and say, okay, how do we make this, how do we get back on track here, right? And and, and if that's working, that's working. If that's that's supporting, that's supporting. If that's, um, you know, delivering food to the home, then whatever you got to do. Just, just do it, and 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 don't do it like we did in 2020, right? That does that gets anybody nowhere. Yep. You know, I, the biggest thing is it was just a flip of the the calendar. It doesn't change anything. No, it, we're yeah. still in the same place. It's just another day, but yeah. for some reason, this mindset is all of a sudden, oh, it's a whole new world, and it's all going to be better, and that's ridiculous. But I think a lot of people look at it as like uh, I don't know why, but you know, a clean slate. Let's say you know it's a new year. You know, hopefully people have a new mindset and it's a positive mindset and it's something they can, you know, be disciplined and carry on throughout the year. You know, that that's that's how things will change. It, well, whatever whatever you want to look at it, you know, like a hard reset is yeah. sometimes the best thing. Sure. A, a, bad, a bad call, a bad decision as a leader, the best thing you can do sometimes is just hard reset. For start sure. Over. Absolutely. You know, so if we need to call 2021 the hard reset, I'm, I like that. I'm all about it. <laughs> yep, I totally like that. Scorched earth, let's start it fresh. Yep. Yeah, but okay. So you've given us like thirty-eight of these already, but I gotta know your drop-dead answer to this one. <laughs> Do you have a mantra that you live by? Your one, your personal mantra. Yes, embrace the uncomfortable. Okay, but I like he has, that. He hasn't given us that one yet. Yeah. See that he had that locked well, and loaded. Because no, I live by it. I live by it every day. And I don't want to get back into it, but it's something that, like, I I I found myself growing as a professional and as a person by putting myself in uncomfortable situations outside of my comfort zone, as they say, you know, like just this podcast, you know, I am not the most, well, wasn't necessarily the most outgoing person, you know what I mean? But, oh my God, doing something like this is like totally brought out a part of me that I didn't even know existed to be honest with you. It's crazy. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at your comfort zone, you like the, the whole comfort zone factors, right? So inside your comfort zone, you're not growing. 
Ooh. If you push those envelopes, you start to grow. You know, you do hit a point where you start to panic. There is a panic part to mm. growth, right? And as effective leaders, you look around and you realize that your team has hit that panic and you pull them back down to their comfort zone. But what they, what you, what you do is you do an after action and say, you actually went through this growth area. Hmm. Let's recap that growth. And then all of a sudden your comfort zone expands oh and then goodness. your comfort zone expands. And the next thing you know, it could go to combat. It could be jumping out of an airplane. It could be leading a business. It could be uh, giving a speech. It could be first time on a podcast. Who hmm. cares? Because yep. you're going to embrace that situation and you're going to be in the moment, your feet firm on the ground, clear head and ready to go. Yeah. I, fully respect that answer but i'm not jumping out of an airplane anytime soon <laughs> sorry <laughs> how about a hot air balloon would you do that no come on no I think that's I was, scarier dude i was on like a ladder this tall the other day pulling down christmas lights and i was shaking like a leaf <laughs> i had to like go sit down for 10 minutes afterwards dude you can never have been a navy seal no never <laughs> never this is way too weak that comfort zone is way too small <laughs> i don't care how far you want to expand that it's oh not happening God. but that's that's like leadership, though. That's a learned yeah, thing, right? man. Like you're embracing the comfort and 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 growing that. If it's working out every morning, that that you want to lose your your COVID. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm down it, overall in life, but <laughs> COVID has not been friendly to me. There's a laziness factor with that one. Oh man. Well, hey, I'm gonna work on my punting. There you go. <laughs> Um, Thomas, thank you, man. This yes. has been fantastic. Awesome. Right, you crushed it. Love to have you come back again. There's so much more we could talk about. Like I said, I could talk about these topics for hours. I love it. He's back in May. All right. For I'm, I'm calling it. Yeah. That's Vol right. For Volmer's birthday. Yeah. Keep, just keep in mind, celebrity. you're going to ask one question and he's just going to go. So make it a good one. And he doesn't, <laughs> and he doesn't even answer that question. <laughs> Which is great. I think you learned more from him. It, oh, it was amazing. He has one question and he just... <laughs> The other great. direction. For sure, for sure. All right, man. Well, hey, as far as I'm concerned, that's a wrap, unless you got something else you want to add. No, I just want to thank you all so much for the opportunity. It was super cool to be a part of this, and hopefully I didn't ramble too much. Not so at all, man. Perfect. Not at all. You crushed it for sure. All right, another awesome show. Please be sure to check us out at thegeoholics.com. Follow us on all reputable social media outlets by searching for The Geoholics, which is where you will also find the details regarding the hospitality suite in the very near future. Download all our podcasts from Apple, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify. Don't forget to download the Geoholics app from Land Surveyors United. Email us at info at thegeoholics.com if you have any content ideas or guests a future show. Please support our friends of the program. They would love to hear from you and give you the Geoholics VIP treatment. Pay it forward. Add value, make friends. Metallica, enter Sandman, available everywhere. Until next time, as always, be safe and healthy, everyone. Once again, thank you to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping, Inc. at ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. at AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS at Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley at CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation at CyanicAutomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying at DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey at GetKidsIntoSurvey.com. Land Surveyors United at LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays at MentoringMondays.xyz. Monson Engineering at MonsonEngineering.com. Parkland Community College at Parkland.edu slash LandSurveying. Safety Apparel at SafetyApparel.us. Tiger Supplies at TigerSupplies.com.